Come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. I wonder if anything struck you when you heard that gospel passage read. It's probably the first time that the word sexually has been used in a scripture reading. As some of you know, uh, normally we use the Revised Common Lectionary that uses the New Revised Standard Version. And this year, we're using Year W, called a Women's Lectionary for the whole church, focusing on some stories of women that we don't often hear, and with some fresh translations. It was done by an Episcopal priest named Wilda Gaffney, who is a, a, a biblical scholar and priest. And she's done some new translations for uh, this lectionary, which are fantastic and fresh. The Bible has a lot of euphemisms for sex. Um, the NRSV says that Joseph did not have marital relations with her. But Reverend Gaffney just kind of cuts to the chase and says did not know her sexually until after Jesus was born. Um, kind of, I, I honestly, I love it. It's just open. Uh, sometimes the scripture translations, um, the euphemisms kind of uh, hinder our understanding of human sexuality and it, it perpetuates the church's uh, casting negative views on that rather than seeing it as something created by a loving God as an expression of love. So I just wanted to highlight that because I, I was like, I wonder if anyone sitting here is going like, wow, haven't heard that before. <laughs> heard it alluded to, but not quite as clear. The passage that we have today, this gospel passage, is trying to resolve a dilemma. There are two prophecies. Well, there are multiple, but Two in particular. One, that the Messiah will be born of a woman. Of, oh, I mean, sorry, of course of a woman. Will be born of a virgin. The second, that the Messiah will come from the line of David. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is a virgin. But she's not of the line of David. Joseph is of the line of David but he's not the father. So how do you resolve this dilemma? The passage has this curious uh, phrase, Mary was found to have a child in her womb. Was found to have a child in her womb. Scripture doesn't go into it, but I've always kind of imagined, like, what was that conversation between Joseph and Mary like? Right? Like, they're betrothed. Like, you're pregnant? I swear it was the Holy Spirit. Like, that must have been an awkward conversation. How was, Jesus, how was Joseph supposed to respond to that? And there's some real consequences to this. So they're betrothed, which means they're in a, they are in an arranged relationship by their families to be married. So they're not... They haven't had their wedding yet, but by all 
legal standards, they're essentially married. If Mary is pregnant from someone else or pregnant and they haven't gotten married yet, there are some issues there, including that Mary would be considered to have engaged in adultery. That could lead to anything from her being stoned to death to uh, her being shamed. It could bring shame uh, to Joseph. So it's a very fraught situation. The passage says that Joseph was a just man and was unwilling to shame her. If you were here for our pageant last week, Mary asks the, um, the Magi, what do you think my baby will be like? And, and one of the lines is, I think he'll be kind and gentle like his father. Now the script used to say, I think he'll be strong and hardworking like his father and kind and gentle like his mother. But a few years ago, we switched those lines, kind of swapping some of the gender stereotypes there to a way that's actually more accurate to the scriptural portrayal of Joseph as a kind and gentle person. This leads us to what is really the Annunciation of Joseph. We've had the Annunciation of Mary, where she learns and then consents to giving birth to Jesus. And this is the Annunciation of Joseph, where in a dream, an angel of God tells him to go ahead and to, to marry her and to name the boy. And that is the key issue, because by naming Jesus, by naming the Son, Joseph is legally claiming Jesus as his son, regardless of whether he was the biological father. By naming Jesus, Joseph says, this is my son. And that is the resolution of the prophecies. Now Jesus is both born of a virgin and of the line of David. And they name him Jesus, as the angel says, which is the ancient Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, who was the successor to Moses. And the name essentially means God saves. And in our passage, the angel says to name him Jesus because he will save his sins. It's an extraordinary passage uh, about Joseph, whom we don't really hear a lot. We actually only hear about Joseph two more times, really. And here we have him as a model of faithfulness. He is faithful not only to Mary, his betrothed, but also to God. Like Mary, Joseph says yes to God, not knowing where it will lead them. After the Magi, Joseph has another dream where the angel of God tells him to flee to Egypt with Mary and the child because Herod wants to kill the child. So he's gone from, maybe I can divorce her quietly, 
to this is my son, oh my God, we have to go to Egypt. It's quite a turnabout in probably what he was envisioning for his life. And the next time we see Joseph is when Jesus stays behind in the temple and Mary and Joseph are running around looking for him and then we never hear more about Joseph. But it's a story of faithfulness about how he called to God, how God called to him to do something extraordinary. Has there been a time in your life when God has called you to do something strange or unexpected? That God has led you somewhere you didn't think you would ever go? And how did you respond? My personal experience of that was in my call to the priesthood. I grew up in the Episcopal Church and then went to Catholic high school and became an atheist and uh, was studied religion in college. And when I started getting this notion of maybe getting called to ministry, like it uh, freaked me out. It was not the plan or vision I had for my life. And I, I remember wrestling with it, right? So I grew up in the church, but I'd kind of stopped going to church, but, you know, I was grappling with my faith. I wasn't an atheist. Then I was an agnostic. Then I was kind of a believer again and trying to come to terms with uh, my faith. And I remember telling my parents that I was like, I, I feel like I might be called to the priesthood. And, and I remember my dad, who was not religious at all, saying, well, maybe you should start going to church again. Not a bad idea. Have to <laughs> give that a try. Many of you have probably heard my favorite quote about Christmas from Angelus Celestius, who was a Catholic priest who was born on Christmas Day in 1624. And he said, If in your heart you make a manger for his birth, then God will once again become a child on earth. If in your heart you make a manger for his birth, then God will once again become a child on earth. Joseph made a manger in his heart. He was willing to sacrifice his own status or his own vision for what his life was going to be, to make a manger in his heart for the Christ child and to be faithful to God. As we look towards Christmas, how can you make a manger in your heart so that God will once again become a child?